0: Oh, Good afternoon, all, and welcome to another Infraviewing uh, Spotlight series. I'm delighted to, to announce that we have Henrik Pelser, the head of pre-sales and EUC at PowerOn. Um, PowerOn, a uh, managed service provider and our uh, Microsoft goal partner in Windows and devices, cloud platform, data center and enterprise mobility management. Their team has created a unique approach using a mixture of specialist consultancy skills and their own internal product development teams to provide superior IT solutions and services to public and private sector businesses. Um, Henrik, welcome. Thank you very much for uh, joining us today. And uh, yeah, I did a brief introduction, but uh, I'm sure you could uh, better that. So I'll, I'll
1: let you start. <laughs> oh, Chris, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, So, uh, yeah, my, my sort of like primary function within the business here is I, I head up the pre sales team um, and also yep. responsible for the EUC practice here at Power Platform. So, um, I spend the, the vast majority of my time talking and, and trying to understand. Uh, more, more than actually doing these days um but yeah that's that's kind of like where i am and yeah i've been here for about five years now obviously specializing around everything you've mentioned specific to the management and the security side of the desktop world primarily
0: beautiful beautiful so very much uh, as i think you said before you're a professional talker <laughs> and
1: yeah my, 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 yeah like a an, an ambition and uh, sorry a, a ambitious kind of like a problem solver at, at yeah. the best of times but yeah, I spend a lot of my time speaking to clients, so very client facing, as well as in helping our internal teams around standards, development of services and all that type of stuff you might expect.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So just out of interest,
1: how did you sort of get into the industry? Uh, accidentally. Um, my, my sort of journey into IT isn't a conventional one. Um, I, for the longest period of my life, I thought I was going to be a professional cricket player. Um, so that okay. was what I had in my mind. It, it, it didn't go quite the way i was hoping uh, <laughs> otherwise you know you would be on sky sports and i'd be on the cricket pitch somewhere <laughs> being interviewed right um but i i kind of threw an, an old school teacher and um, he saw us getting a bit wayward i would say and he sort of said you know you should investigate some of these areas at school that you were you know showing promise in outside of sport and you know maybe try it and and go from there so he helped me with a with an application to a company at the time that's called sci he had he had family members and who worked there or knew of the place anyway um, which then led me into sort of like working for the, the support team at mcdonald's um and i even famously walked out of the building on my first day saying this isn't for me uh, that they convinced me to stay and, and, and give it another shot which i'm glad i did um, as a matter of fact so yeah so my sort of like entry point into it was not the sort of like traditional conventional way of doing things um but yeah so I'm, I'm still here today very happy to still be in the industry um, you know and i think it's it's something that I, I had a had an inkling for and had a passion for for a while um and then obviously through my sort of journey really been able to kind of get to a point where you know i i'm passionate about what i do and you know I, i've been lucky enough to have some great leaders and and people kind of like help me shape the sort of identity that i've built for myself today within the space
0: Fantastic. So just a a quick conversation with someone that had managed to get some fire into a passion
1: that maybe was uh, hidden at the start. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it it all centered around uh, some key aspects in in wanting to help um, being part of a team, you know, and obviously at the time dropping my teenager attitude because I walked into the industry at the age of 19. Um, you know, and I think that in itself helped me. So I, again, I had very strong leaders around me. You know, of course, he helped with that. But yeah, it was um, probably the best decision I made was to come back for the second day. I would say
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So in, in terms of uh, the, the the business and and Peron, I mean, what's the sort of core focus uh, of the business at the moment?
1: So we, we we do a extensive piece of work around kind of like three key areas. Um, well, you could argue a fourth, which has been a, a sort of recent development for us. Um, the, the sort of primary sort of um, driver from a power and, power and platforms perspective is around the desktop space. Um, that's kind of like where the business started. Um, they were sort of like in, in the system center world at the time, looking at how you can apply a wide range of product sets very, very quickly through high levels of automation. So you can then start to see the benefits of, at the time, the, the sort of private cloud story. Um, since then, it, it's been an evolutionary piece as we've progressed and progressed and progress, And that's kind of been built on the back of listening and understanding the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the course of that initial period of time, the business went through several layers of transition, the maturity of services they, that, that they provide um, to the point where today we we, we specialize around the consultancy side um, for the sort of like desktop management, desktop security, um, and, and all of the layers that you might have within the M365 stack, for example. Yep all the way through then to um, manage services. So we help clients manage their desktop estates, their, their mobile phone estates and so on through that whole life cycle piece, right? So it's almost like a shadow IT service, if you want to call it that. But I think a, a better way of describing that is it's an integration service. Um, we, we we do our level best to, again, it, it comes back to the other point around understanding. Um, to really mold and create a service that we know is fit for purpose with our clients um, because we find, you know, there's so much, there's obviously lots of similarities, but there are sort of like inter-team, interpersonal relationships that we want to know about as well so we can be a part of the makeup of that organization as opposed to just a third party, so to speak, right?
0: Absolutely. Um, so so really sort of embed yourself in the in the company culture. So when you're having those absolutely. conversations, like you said, around
1: the problem solving, you can really get to the root cause. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that involves having a wide range of of obviously conversations throughout a business, right? Um we want to make sure that we are easy to work with. So we 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 pay careful attention to things like the procurement cycles, trying to understand that. We pay careful attention to things like governance, right? And we always have an ethos of trying to listen before you respond, truly really understand before you respond. Um I, I've been part of conversations in the past historically where you know you kind of enter the conversation with a preconceived answer and um, you know the, the sort of cliche joke in the industry was um you know whatever your problem was the answer is a for example right um seldom the case however we we wanted to make sure that we we really pay attention to the aches and pains so we don't just naturally address the symptoms we always endeavor to you know provide an actual solution to clients over a protracted period of time helping them deal with all of the static challenges that most businesses have, right? Rate of change, wanting to do more with less budgets, equipment, all the constraints you might, you know, sort of like sometimes not pick up on. We, we want to make sure that we, you know, we have a level of playing field and we can obviously do the best to help long term.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that art of sales of uh, being able to listen rather than just going in there with something that you want to uh, just impose yeah. on them. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so, look, look you know, you've got the opportunity to sort of, I don't know, describe your perfect client. I mean, what does your perfect, look like, a perfect client look like for you at the moment?
1: Yeah, this was, this was one of my bigger challenges coming into Power On because um, I was very much used to the corporate world. Okay. Um, so large banks and so on. Um, and obviously some of the clients and stuff that i mostly used to have, uh, have sat on the, on the private sector side of the fence um since then obviously power has been doing a lot of work well power historically been sort of very sort of like heavily focused within the public sector so I think my sort of like ideal client is in terms of seat size the sort of average that we help is anywhere between that 1500 plus that SME range um and off the back of that we, we deal with global clients um I think my perfect client is a client that's serious about tackling their problems I would argue right and for me it's a case of really wanting to work in partnership with one another as part of yeah. that, right? I think we've done extensive work across the public sector. It's an area we understand incredibly well, um, including in that things like you know, local authorities, councils, obviously then the NHS, we've done extensive, you know, um, amounts of work with over the last sort of like four to five years. And then we've also seen some high levels of uptake of some of our service specific towards things like the manufacturing legal side as well. Because we, we, we do a good job in helping them with compliance and, and you know, security and, you know, ease of use and all these things, as well as in having specific fit for purpose, specialized services for things like the NHS as well. And so before that's all born off the back of really taking the time to understand how those organizations run, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, like we, we, we found that sweet spot around the sort of like 1500 seat count, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, and uh, across a wide range of sectors. So yeah, we're, we're quite versatile when it comes to yeah. you know solving some of the problems. Yeah, brilliant,
0: brilliant. And it's it's great that you've got um, products that you can sort of offer across that wide spectrum. It just uh, it just makes things a lot easier. Um, so I mean, what challenges sort of have you had to overcome as a business in the last few years? Obviously, uh, <laughs> it's been a it's been a tricky few years for the
1: whole world, but specifically to you guys. I, I think it was the sort of like. So, uh, I suppose strategy changes that we saw as, as 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 a as a consequence of the recent sort of like COVID um, pandemic, right? Um, that in itself was a challenge for a number of reasons because we as a business were dealing with the same pressures and pains as our clients were in terms of mobility, access to services, having to drastically change, you know, um, sort of like tacking people aren't in the office anymore. You know, how does that affect the sales teams? Certain businesses shut as well and um, the irony of the whole thing is we we were leading we caught a large campaign on my side with one of my well at the time here the head of sales james into the retail space which shut down for two years yeah. right um on top of that as well you know the sort of interpersonal people problems people have felt way more ice we, we couldn't do clubs anymore we couldn't meet up once a month to discuss plans and reviews and stuff yeah. like that so it also then meant we had to quickly augment our service from a from a traditional we're consultants, boots on the ground type motions to being much more remotely based, right? Which yeah. for us as a business, we were able to quickly adapt to because we've been full cloud, for example, for a long time. So we didn't necessarily need human beings in offices, and but a lot of our clients did, which presented new challenges, right? And how do you work with them? You know, how do you do things safely, and so on. So I think again, trying to really mould yourself around a client specific needs at that time, and then almost thinking ahead a little bit. So we did a lot of work around connectivity with clients because we knew people were at home. How do you, you know, VPNs, how do you get them in and stuff like that? We also made a lot of information available for free to enterprises, which, you know, the uptake for that was massive, which we found quite helpful. So it was just trying to do the right thing at the right time during that period of time, as well as then obviously with the current economic climate that we're in, we have to look at and understand, you know, money in, money out. How do these things work internally for us? We've been doing our level best to make sure that we're driving towards a real efficiency model with how we work, um, you know, because, like, lucky for us, we've been able to give out pay rises this year. Um, we've been able to kind of, like, grow the team exponentially. You know, we, we've seen a sort of, like, factor four or five people into new teams, okay. specifically <laughs> into the consultancy space. Yeah. Um, even that, and it's own right, is a challenge with what is a skills gap. There is a massive shortage of skills in the market today. Um, you know, so we've had team members come and go. Um, but nothing for us really has slowed down too much if anything it's it's obviously on, on the up right and that in itself can be how do you scale quickly is' an, is, is also a unique challenge right we have to take a all the time to kind of like assess internally you know how do we operate efficiently and effectively but at the forefront of our mind is like clients priorities have changed how do we adapt around those right and then collectively over a short period of time long period of time how you know whichever one works we we were able to kind of like you know augment ourselves to really be a hand-in-glove fit, you know, yep. for some of the clients these days as well, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Well, so quite, quite a lot to overcome in, in, in a short
0: space of time. It sounds like, <laughs> yeah, you, right you, it sounds like you nailed yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of more um, looking more now to the, the sort of the future. I mean, what are the plans for the next few years for yourself, the team and the
1: business as a whole? Yeah, I think for us, it, it, it's a case of helping clients with that. You know, you've got potentially, you have to do a lot more with a lot less these days. Mm-hmm. um so it's trying to make sure that the services and the, the the sort of help we offer caters to that changing need and landscape um also then making sure that we can you know help with the assurance side of services because with with, with consultancy traditionally there's this idea of we wouldn't say hit and run necessarily that, that there's an that there's an express need you know services are delivered to meet that need and then you know the third party leaves the consultancy typically leads. yeah Um, So we're now looking at, you know, again, doing more work around the assurance front to make sure that the services, the capabilities that we leave clients with are maintained, Um, as well as in making sure that, you know, what are we doing to speed up certain elements of our delivery? Um, What are we doing around making sure that, you know, our services and our consultancy methods and everything like that are if you have one guy from Power On turn up, would you get the same answer every time? Also, if you have five guys, would you get five different answers? Would you get the yeah. same answer? Just making sure that we as a business and as an organization within the UC front tackle things unanimously, You know, and everyone's on the same page with stuff. Just to give a consistent level of service more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to drive organizational excellence. Because I think when I joined Power On, there was a team of very highly skilled individuals. You had to come in and be able to hit the ground running. Um, it was easily one of the most intimidating parts of my career when you're sitting across the room from savants, I would argue, um, real the 1% in their field type guys, to walk into a team like that what was ridiculously intimidating. Um, I remember my first day being, you know, I, I got my laptop, I got my bag, and in the afternoon, I was driving to London to present with the CEO. We were in a meeting with Microsoft the very next day. So it's it's again catering for all those changes and stuff like that. But it yeah. we've been doing a lot of work around that front as well. But yeah, I think overall it's um it it's obviously pedal to the metal and you know, making sure that we are still doing everything we can to do right by our clients, you know. Yeah. And again, building that long-term sustainable approach to internal teams and how they work
0: yeah absolutely and 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 I like the point that you made about that uniformity of message from from your from your team you know um that's one of the benefits of of doing what we do you know we work in a very specialized uh space you know we're we unique solely to the i t solutions managed service provider space so we're all um I don't want to say masters but there's not so much to learn across the technology i mean we can we can certainly uh mirror ourselves to how our businesses operate so that before we can have that uniformity of message because we're under the skin of the clients and exactly what they require which is just a massive part of uh, of what everyone does um so in terms of sort of core usps uh in the market for power on what would you what would you suggest they are at the moment
1: so we've been developing those over a long period of time um around the initial sort of like system center front the team wanted to make sure that the delivery the middle the waste of an engagement gets shrunk down and that's something that we've massively gone back to. So we wanted to make sure that we expand our services around automation, not just around okay. things like certain processes, but also the enablement of tools, and then pass that skill in automation down to our clients. Okay. Right. So it's, it's we wanted to make sure that we leave them with both the science and the art form of how to carry things out over a long period of time, as well as them being again, available in the backdrop, right? Um, one of the biggest things that we've been working on quite recently is around the enablement of critical new infrastructure. So businesses going through acquisition that have to get things up and running at a device management layer, being able to do that in usually if you, if you take a linear piece of work, six, anywhere between four to 16 weeks, depending on scale and size, to bring that down to a month um, or bring that down to two weeks in certain instances with the levels of automation that we're obviously looking at putting in place. Right, So that's been a big thing for us. Um, we've also been looking at recently expanding the service portfolio to be device holistic. And previously, as from, from a power perspective, we we're very Microsoft focused yeah. um, in everything Microsoft, Microsoft. But recently, obviously, with the introduction of some of our, our more uh, our American clients, as well as then some of the cultural changes we're seeing within organisations, with I want my staff to be able to work on any device, you know, making sure that we can support things like the Mac OS and so on. So that would be a big right. thing for us going forward as well, as well as then making sure that we can, you know, more rapidly expand. The consumption of basic windows as well how quickly can we turn that around and so across things like windows 365 managed services and all those areas are are areas that we're tackling and it's the care and attention to detail that i think is the is the usp i mean i I typically internally sort of when i speak to the uc team uh, it's a joke naturally but i would call us the louis vuitton of consultancy services everything is handcrafted specific to the point tailor-made Uh, you know, to the nth degree, we're not a body shop, we are experts in that field, right? And I want to make sure that our team have that ethos. The the ethos as well from a USP perspective is that we're not necessarily trying to come in and do the best job, though we are. We're trying to do the best job by you, the client. And as part of that, we're trying to enhance the skills of that IT function. We're trying to make that team 5% better every quarter. So at the end of the year, there's an uplift of tangible benefit that's visible, right? Mm Um, so it, it, it's the hearts and minds piece when, when it comes to that, but it is really doing our best to really integrate and connect physically with a client as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah brilliant. Well, uh, yeah. Louis Vuitton. I like it. Good selection. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, acronyms for days,
1: <laughs>
0: absolutely. Um, and in, in terms of, uh, as again, sort of more of a look into the, into the future, I mean, what technology do you think will disrupt the market uh, the most in say the next
1: 12 months? obviously with some of the stuff that I've been seeing from Ignite um, and some of the, the sort of murmurs that we've been having for, on, a, on a team-based discussion, it'd be interesting for me to see the direction of two things, where AI can take businesses in automating some of their business processes, learning, you know, and, and developing mechanisms and data and, and all that type of stuff, looking at efficiencies. I think that's going to be a fairly big thing. Um, and then the, the in, in my world, the sort of future direction of something like Windows. Um, I think Microsoft is slowly building up to a capability of providing Windows as an app almost through things like Windows 365. It could drastically change the way in which we look at that landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, It also opened the doors to emerging markets where, let's say, for example, certain hardwares aren't available and and so on as well. right? If you could just run a very basic appliance that connects you to some sort of web interface to run a PC as powerful as you like it to be, I think for me it's going to be a big thing. I think we'll unlock yeah. a lot of doors. I think it'll solve a lot of business problems. Um, you know, so I'm I'm, I'm hoping to see more and more around that. And I, I'm quite excited about that space. Obviously, I saw the the announcements that Satya made. So I think the AI side of things is going to be something that we're seeing more and more. Yeah. Um the sort of further development of of, of the Windows as a service, that that type of motion will be expanding. And then on the fringes of that, from a personal interest side, it is things like web three and obviously the crypto space, i massively interested in that. Right. Seeing some of that utility coming across nicely now. We, we, I'm dealing with businesses now. They're looking to almost commoditize certain services they provide to give people digital ownership You know, as either a token or as, as access to events or selling a seat in a stadium as an NFT, for example, is something that I thought never would have thought of 10 years ago. But it's now becoming such a reality. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that real, that space is going to grow exponentially over the next few years, just because of the various utilities around things like digital ownership and what that gives. It's going to be a big game changer, I think. Anyway, we'll you know, I, I've been wrong before, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see where it goes.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, AI definitely. We're seeing a lot lot more, of, or a lot, lot of that interest is, uh, is is coming through to the forum and the technology landscape. Um, and, and how do you see this market evolving in the next couple of years? I mean,
1: it, it's an interesting one. I think the the sort of budgets and, and challenges that businesses will face going forwards will be that, look, I need more for less. I think people will still will, will potentially look to spend money on necessities and vast or, or tangible immediate improvements as opposed to nice-to-haves maybe over the short term. But I think long-term, it will still continue towards that transition towards cloud. And I think people will look to make decisions much, much more with data. Um, I think that's going to be a big thing within our industry. And I think that's pretty much the direction that we're seeing some of the vendors go in, some of the partners go in, and a lot of the startups as well these days are looking at how do you handle tangible information? And how do you present that information back in a way that is either commoditized, so something you can sell and make money from, or to better understand your own marketplace services or products that you provide. Um, So I'm seeing that I'm sort of predicting on this, you know, spotlight thing that I think it, it's a case of you're going to see much more data-driven insights really take shape. Yep. I think there'll be dedicated teams solely focused around that. You can start businesses around that, you know, as well as then, you know, the sort of decline in, I say decline, the the, the alteration in how people wish to maybe spend money going forwards.
0: Yeah, cool. Cool. So that's an official prediction on the spotlight, is it? (laughs) No no worries, no worries. And and I mean, in terms of again, back to the sort of the business side of things. I mean, how how do you go about building a that sort of productive culture?
1: I think that's probably been one of my bigger challenges this 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 last year taking over the 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 EUC practice. Um, I think I very quickly learned that. Not everyone has the same interests as your good self. Um, so to then look at the productive side of things, I thought, what does the business want to be? I think it starts with clarity of purpose, either as a department or a business. Why does power on exist? Why do we do the things we do? You know, And then how do we all feed into that to be productive? Because that for me is the kind of waypoint. right? Um, mm-hmm. On the side of that as well, it's trying to understand what clients want and how they want it. And then in, in terms of a culture, it's to very quickly recognize that there are individuals in the team and individuals need individual paths, individual plans. All right, not everyone's gonna have the same idea as the manager or the CTO or a shareholder. People are in it for different reasons. So making sure that you've got a team that you as the individual who's, who's stewarding them understands those individuals, I think is a big thing. It allows you to make something a bit more bespoke in terms of a path and a journey for an individual within your team. That feeds your goal, obviously. But it's something where and how to apply those individuals, right? Um, so I think that in itself is, is, is the key catalyst. It's, it, it's all combining under a sort of unified cause to say, here's what we as a department wish to be and how we're going to go about it. And then my responsibility as well as some of the leadership um, internally as well is to make sure that we understand our teams well enough to know where to physically apply them. What's the execution steps you wish this individual to take that will support their journey and their career as well as then our own and i found that over the last six to 12 months that's been a really good way of number one building trust with your internal stuff number two i think it, it fosters that feedback relationship very very quickly because if you're yeah. working towards their plan they will most likely tell you right and then on top of that it also helps with staff retention in, in my opinion because the guys that are here today that i've inherited i want to keep them every single one Um, You know, I I find immense joy in working with them. Right. And showing lots of gratitude for the work and stuff they're doing. has been something I endeavor to do all of the time. However, my brain is much more of a what can we do better type brain, which which can make you accidentally quite negative um, without meaning to be. So I think it's a case of understand the people that are around you, understand the direction you wish to take. And then you know, use the people around you to make that happen. But it has to be mutually beneficial, right? Because yeah, the last thing I want, my biggest fear as a as, as a manager at Power, and if you want to call it that, is you have unhappy people. You know that that goes against what I would class as a success driver for me. Yeah. You know, so it's making sure you understand those individuals and you foster the right type of mentality and care over a long period of time to get yourself who you want to get to as yep. a department, but yeah. as well as in supporting that team. So I think that's the best way of. You know kind of like really building trust and long term success well, that's what I found in my career that, that's yeah. where I perform best is someone's taking the time to understand me. I understand them, and we've got a common goal
0: yeah absolutely and and that and that trust and understanding what makes them tick as well and and then leading on to making them happy you know unhappy leads to unproductive so uh, a happy happy employee will be more productive, so definitely the right right way to go in that um so let more about you um in terms of your career, I mean,
1: what would you say is your biggest success to date? It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I've been I, I've been thinking about this. I, I was asked this last month by a friend. Right. Um, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll tell, I'd rather tell you what I told him and what I'm probably most proud of. And, and it happened about a year ago. Okay. Um, it, again, sort of during the, the sort of pandemic phase was that we were working with a specific NHS trust and they had some unique problems, right? And one of the biggest problems after spending time with um, I think it was it was literally a a, a doctor, as a matter of fact, who we were talking to as part of this discovery and work that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make sure that we we were tackling specific problems from GP practice to GP practice. And he had he came to us with a scenario and said, like, look, I, I've got nurses that there, there are two of them, right? Um, I won't give their names out in case they watch this, but they, they say, like, so obviously, we're, we're with, the, with the COVID situation we've got right now, these two individuals are sitting at home on a mobile phone. They're taking prescriptions and stuff over the phone. They're writing it down on a notepad. And then in the evenings, because they're scared to be in the building because of the COVID side of things, right? Um, they're then running into the office in, in, in the evenings to do everyone's prescriptions. And the next day, and calling them back. Um, and, you know, there was a great level of fear in them going, they had fear of going into work. Mm-hmm. Right, um, we we managed to solve that quite quickly. We knew that both their sons had iPads. We asked those questions, and off the back of that, they were able to access basic cloud services to go ahead and then just get access into the prescription system. They can do there and then, yep. um, and on top of that, Zoom, Teams, mm-hmm. they were able just to use that as well to make you know to have conversations and calls and video chats and stuff like that, and so on as well. And we got to thank you for that. You know, thanks, I feel safe. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I thought that for me was quite a nice thing to hear, um, you know. And I think that for me, I would argue is probably one of the biggest successes is knowing there and then you've had an impact on someone's life just in a short space of time, you know. Yeah. That for me, I think probably hit the hardest as opposed to anything grandiose you've done in solving some you know, corporate problem. They're all of that, important, but I thought for the first time that as a technical professional, I was fully aware of the actual impact. That we had as a business to people, because we speak to IT management, CTOs, CEOs. You know, you never really speak to Jane and Sarah. You know, no, exactly. names, but yeah. yeah, I thought like that for me was a was was a big thing. And that's always something I carry quite close to my heart.
0: Actually, yeah, it's a very it's a very human st- tale as well, rather than as you say, corporations and IT, which can be a bit bit cold. But that is the, the nature of it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, how, how do you personally handle the sort of changing demands of
1: tech? Reading. Lots and lots of reading, whether that's blogs, articles. I spend a lot of time on Reddit. Um, and I, I'm an oralist. I, I love to talk. I've got team members who love to talk. Um, so it, it's a case of trying to stay up to date from a community event perspective. Yeah. Um, I find Reddit a really useful tool as well as Twitter and to keep up with instant changes and, and, and instant news and information. Um, and then yeah, having lots of conversations with, with my team around that as well, right? Because it is a massive, massive challenge. You also then I don't know if it's a skill or not, you, you develop how to not listen or where to not listen, where to not look for information either. Um, sometimes shiny object syndrome can be a, a sort of blessing and a curse in my field because you can get almost distracted at times, right? Um. But it, it's taking the time to spend it with the people on the ground because things change so quickly. On top of that as well, you know, doing your own research, Reddit is a great one, Twitter is a great one, Microsoft blogs are a great one. There are several MVPs that I followed over the years as well, around a myriad of areas, um, you know, that you know supply great information and, and changes to, you know, in, in terms of landscape and so on. Um, yeah. And then obviously just having conversations with the team. So but, but yeah. it is a challenge. I I struggle, I'll be honest with you. It is a big, big thing.
0: So the, the 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 sort of uh, the moral of that is just uh, you just go and find out the information that you need to learn. And uh, it can and just be very active.
1: Yeah, it can yeah. be very active. So it's a, pro, it's yeah. a
0: proactive uh, approach rather than sort of sit there and see what
1: happens, you which I suppose keeps can't. you at the forefront of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the best things about this industry. It's that, you know, experience is one thing, but it's skills based. You, yeah. it. mm-hmm. you have to be able to do it. You have to be able to do it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And and what advice would you
1: give, or do you have for uh, others looking to get into technology? Yeah, I've again been asked that several times in the last few months with people wanting career change. As a matter of fact, yeah. um, I think looking back, it, it probably, if, if I had to do it again and and be in a position where I wanted to get into the IT industry, I think looking at things like apprenticeship programs is going to be a big one. Um, And even though picking those quite tactically, looking for a business or an area that, you know, you have interest in, whether that's sports, whether that's medicine, whether that's construction, you know, um, and looking what those organizations offer as as a way in. Um, And then off the back of that, learn, 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 try lots and lots of stuff. I think that's the one big thing that I was massively fortunate to have in in, in terms of some great leaders, uh, specifically one at Deloitte that said, look, you you're okay at this, but it doesn't really you enjoy it. And it's like, well, it's all I know. And it's like, well, go and spend some time with that team. Yeah. See if you enjoy yeah. that. Um, you know, and and it, it is to try as, as, as many different things as possible. Right. Um, but that would be my advice. I think pick a sector, a business, uh, an organization or an area that you have some interest in. And then if you want to get in, I would recommend, you know, uh, approaching an apprenticeship scheme, um, yeah. instead yeah. of a university course these days would be my advice yeah
0: okay wicked um and who do you admire the most in in the technology sector
1: whether it be a person or a company or or both i think i'd have to stay native with my fellow south Africans, say elon musk although he's got a very strong american (laughs) accent right and yeah it would probably be the work and stuff that you know spacex have been doing neuralink have been doing the boring company have been doing um Yeah. And probably someone like an Elon, I think, you know, they're one in a hundred million, I guess, right. Individuals like that. Um, You know, I think the guys like that for me are really, you know, they they put their money where their mouths are Mm -hmm. and they just, you know, solve problems. I think that, that attitude of failing forwards and failing rapidly to a point where you have something tangible and working is a prototype method that we use internally. Yeah. Um, you know, so I I take a lot of, like, inspiration and, you know, kind of, like, wisdom from what those guys have been through, you know, because it makes me think that, you know, if, if that guy can put a spaceship into orbit, probably solve this technical problem, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's economies of scale. Um, But, yeah, it would probably be the work that they're doing. I'm massively interested in the Neuralink side of things. You know, okay. I've got family members with, with, with various problems in the brain and stuff like that, you know. My wife says I have a problem in the brain. <laughs> but... Look, looking at how you know those technologies and stuff can solve real-world problems, you know, as well as in looking at some of the more common problems, environmental, not just flying to Mars, you know, yep. um, around you know things like solar and stuff like that. Guys ne- like him have never been more important. When right? I look at the energy crisis and stuff like that, I think he hit the nail on the head fifteen, twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Well,
0: look, I mean, that sort of brings us to the uh, the end of the more formal side of it. Um, and that just thought I'd some, uh, sort of do some sort of quick-fire uh, sort of fun questions that uh would just Ooh, okay. get yeah, to know you a little bit better so <laughs> here we go i mean it's there's no there's no right or wrong answer just uh just the first thing that comes in so which three people would
1: you most like to invite to dinner uh elon musk yep. joe rogan and Stephen fry oh, Stephen fry nice um
0: microsoft or apple microsoft cool football or rugby rugby Good man. So I, to hear I that. can't not say that. Yeah. No, I'm, a, I'm a big England rugby fan myself. I very rarely miss a game at Twickenham. <laughs> um, degree or apprenticeship? Apprenticeship. Cool. Um, one thing, personal passion or hobby that uh, most people wouldn't know you have? One well, thing personal. Oh, it's hard. I wasn't expecting that
1: one. <laughs> Yeah, first thing that comes to my head. Oh, I have uh, okay. Fit thing I have. I've got a handkerchief from Peter Jackson. There you go. Oh, okay, wicked. It's nice. <laughs> um, favorite technology in the last or so, twenty years. Work or DMP, home? DMP DMP three. Cool. Well, that's probably longer than that now, isn't it? God, I forget what we are. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it, it'd be digital streaming services. I'm cool. going to put them all into one bracket. Yeah.
0: No worries, no worries. Uh, Worst technology of the last 20 years? Oh,
1: God. I I don't know why. I have a distinct hatred for my son's Oculus Rift, so I'm going to go with that.
0: (laughs) Fair enough, fair (laughs) enough. Um, Best thing about working in the channel? Uh,
1: It it probably is. I'm going to say it's cliche. It, It is absolutely the people. Cool, lovely. And the worst thing? People, I was gonna say, (laughs)
0: like that. Um, do you have a motto that you live by, or is there a top piece of advice
1: that you've been given that's sort of impacted on your career? Yeah, I think it's something that I'm very bad at, and that's you know, focus on what you can control. Yeah, Um, very much. That's 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 the one thing, and then uh, to quote my grandmother as well as a man, never be boring. That's the other (laughs) thing. So, I I try and live by those two things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing you wish you'd knew, wish you'd knew before you began your career,
1: how to buy a Bitlo- uh, Bitcoin in two thousand and whatever. Absolutely. That's what I wish I yeah, yeah, I don't
0: think you're alone in that one. Um, <laughs> and one thing that no one knows about you that you enjoy or like doing outside of work, I enjoy like
1: saying i work. I've not told anyone this. I- I've started playing golf. Oh, um, no one associates me with that, so I'm probably going to go with that. Cool, I'm, still, cool. I'm, I'm horrific at it, but I'll, I'll go yeah. with gold. I, I Well, I'm quite good. I just haven't got the patience. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: look, um, Henrik, once again, thank you so much for uh, taking part in this Spotlight series. Um, I hope you and the team and the power on continue hope continue to have uh, mu- much success. And uh, if anyone has any questions or comments for Henrik or or any of the content that we've shared today, uh, please feel free to make a comment in the in the uh, box below or, or share your uh, views below as well. Uh, And if anyone would like to be involved in the Spotlight series going forward, please reach out and I'll be delighted to get you booked in. But again, Henrik, thank you so much for your time, buddy. And uh, I wish you all the best. Excellent. Thank you so much.